Chapter Number Two of Beautiful Birds. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Natalia Tiche. Beautiful Birds by Edmund Sillus. Birds of Paradise. First, I will tell you about the birds of paradise. You have heard of them, perhaps, and how beautiful they are, but you may have thought that birds with a name like that did not live here at all. For the emperor of China lives in China, and if the emperor of China lived in China, the birds of paradise ought, one would think, to live in paradise. But that is not the case. Not now, at any rate. They live a very long way off, it is true, right over at the other side of the world, but it is not quite so far off as paradise is. No, it cannot be there that they live, because if you were to leave England in a ship and sail always in the right direction, you would come at last to the very place instead of coming right round to England again, which is what you would do if you were to sail for paradise. For you know, of course, that the earth is round. But why then they are called birds of paradise if they live here on earth? Well, there are two ways of explaining it. I will tell you first one and then the other. And you can choose the way you like best. The first way is this. A long time ago, but long after the little demon had crept out of his cave, the early Portuguese voyagers, whom your mother will tell you about, when they came to the Moluccas to get spices, were shown the dried skins of beautiful birds, which were called by the natives Manuk Devata, which means God's birds. There were no wings or feet to the skins, and the natives told the Portuguese that the birds had never had any but that they lived always in the air, never coming down to settle on the earth, and keeping themselves all the while turned towards the sun. One would have thought they must have wanted wings, at any rate, to be always in the air, but that is what the natives said. So the Portuguese, who did not quite know what to make out of it, called them Pasaros del Sol, which means sunbirds or birds of the sun because of their always turning towards him. Sometime after that, a learned Dutchman, who wrote in Latin just think, called these birds aves paradisei, paradise birds or birds of paradise, and he told everyone that they had never been seen alive by anybody, but only after they had fallen down dead out of the clouds, when they were picked up without wings or feet, and still lying with their heads towards the sun in the way that they had fallen. So after that, these wonderful birds were always called birds of paradise. That is one way of explaining how they got their names. But the other way, and perhaps you will think it a little more probable, is this. Once the birds of paradise were really birds of paradise, for they lived there and were ever so much more beautiful than they are now, though perhaps if you were to see them flying about in their native forests, 
you would hardly believe that's possible. That is because you cannot imagine how beautiful real birds of paradise are. For these birds of paradise were not more beautiful than the other ones that lived there. All were as beautiful as each other, though in different ways. And it was just that which made these birds of paradise discontented. If we go down to earth, said they, the birds of all the world will do homage to us on account of our superior beauty, for there will be none to equal us. So we shall reign over them and be their king. Here we are only like all the others. None of them fly to the tree on which we are sitting to do us homage. Do not be foolish, said the tree, for in paradise trees and all can speak. The homage which you desire you would soon weary of, and the beauty which you enjoy here would on earth be only a pain to you, for it would remind you of the paradise you had left, but could never enter again. For those who once leave paradise can never more return to it. Therefore be wise and stay, for if you go you will repent, but then it will be too late." And all the birds around said, Stay! And then they raised their voices, which were lovelier than you can imagine, in a song of joy, of joy that they were in paradise and not on earth. And the birds of paradise sang too, their voices were as sweet as any, but they had envy and discontent in their hearts. Our singing cannot be surpassed, it is true, thought they but it is equalled by that of every other bird. We sing in a chorus merely. It would not be so on earth. We should be prima donnas there. Your mother will tell you what a prima donna is, as well as what doing homage means. So when the song was over, they flew to the phoenix, who was the most important and powerful bird of all the birds that were in paradise. I have told you that all the birds were their equal, so they were, only you see the phoenix was a little more equal than the others. One cannot be a phoenix for nothing. Now it was only the phoenix who could open the gate of paradise and let any bird in or out of it. He was not obliged to let them in, and there were very few birds, who were not there already, that he ever did let in. Many and many a bird flattered and flattered outside the door, that had to fly away again. But if a bird that was in paradise wanted to go out of it, then the phoenix had to open the door and let it out. Because if it had stayed, it would have been discontented, and birds that were discontented cannot stay in paradise. It would not be a paradise for long if they could. So when the birds of paradise said to the phoenix, Let us out! for we are tired of being here, where all are equal and wish to be kings and prima donnas on earth. He had to do it, only he warned them, as the tree had done, that if they once left paradise they could never come back to it again. The door of paradise, he said, may be passed through twice, but only entered once. When you pass through it the second time, it is to go out of it and when you are once out of it, out of it you must remain. You can never come in again, you can only flutter at the gate. 
we shall never do that said the proud birds of paradise we shall stay down on earth and be the kings and prima donnas among the other birds so the phoenix led them out and they flew down through the warm summer sky looking like soft suns or trembling stars or colors out of the sunrise or sunset they were so beautiful then the birds of earth flew around them and did them homage and when they sang the nightingale stood silent and hid her head for shame and would never sing in the daytime any more but only at night when the beautiful strangers were asleep that is why the nightingale sings by night and not by day only since the birds of paradise have lost their voice which i'm going to tell you about she does sing in the daytime sometimes just a little so the birds of paradise were kings and prima donnas amongst the birds of earth and they were happy for a time they were not quite so happy after a little while for they got tired of hearing the birds praise them and wherever they looked they saw nothing to give them pleasure the earth indeed was beautiful but they remembered paradise and that made it seem ugly there was nothing for them to see that was worth the seeing or to hear that was worth the listening to except their own beauty and their own song but that reminded them of paradise and they could not bear to be reminded of it now that they had lost it forever in fact they were miserable and it was not long before they were all fluttering outside the gates of paradise and begging the phoenix to let them in but the phoenix said no i cannot i warned you that the gates of paradise could only be passed twice once in and once out and then no more i tried to keep you from going but you chose to go and now you must stay outside you can never enter paradise again if we cannot enter it said the poor birds of paradise let us at least forget it take away our beautiful voices so that when we sing we shall not think of all the joys we have lost let our song be no more than the larks or the nightingales or make us only able to twitter and not sing at all then we can listen to the lark and the nightingale and perhaps in time we may grow to admire them as it is we must either sing or be silent we do not like to sit silent and when we sing we think only of paradise yes said the phoenix i will take your voice your beautiful voice of song so he took it and that is why the birds of paradise never sing at all now not even as the lark and the nightingale sing after that they were happier but still they had their great beauty their glorious glorious plumage and when they looked at each other they felt sad and hung their heads for still they thought of paradise you have taken our songs from us they said for they were soon at the gate again but still our beauty remains take that also that when we look at each other we may not think of the paradise we have lost and be wretched fly back to earth said the phoenix and when you are a little way off i will open the gates of paradise wide 
and the brightness that is in it will stream out and scorch your feathers, and you will be beautiful no more. Only you must fly fast, and you must not turn to look, for if you do, the brightness will blind you. You could bear it once when you lived in it and had known nothing else, but now that you have lived on earth, you cannot. It would only blind you now. So the birds of paradise flew towards the earth, and when they had got a little way, the phoenix opened the gates. He had only been speaking to them through the keyhole. And as the splendor of paradise streamed forth and fell upon them, their feathers were scorched in its excessive brightness, all except a few tufts and plumes, which were not quite destroyed, because, you see, they were getting feather away every second. A little of their beauty was left, and that was enough to make them the most beautiful birds on earth, till we come to the hummingbirds. But they are very ugly compared to what they once were when they lived in paradise. Think then what the real birds of paradise must be like when those that have left it and have had their plumage scorched and spoiled are so very beautiful. That is the other way of explaining how there come to be birds of paradise living on the earth, and I think you will say that it is the more sensible way of the two. For as for people having ever believed that there were birds who had no feet, or wings, and that lived always in the air with their heads turned towards the sun, why that does not seem possible. Nobody could have believed in a thing like that, but here is a natural explanation. But now you must not think that the birds of paradise which are in the world today are the very same ones that used to live in paradise, and that had their feathers scorched. Oh no! You must not think that. Those old birds of paradise died. For, of course, as soon as they came to earth, they became mortal. They had been immortal before. But before they died, they had laid a great many eggs and reared a great many young ones. And these young ones, as soon as they were grown up, laid other eggs. And the birds that came out of those eggs laid others. And so it has been going on for hundreds of thousands of years, right up to now. And now, if you were to ask a bird of paradise where it was he used to live, and why he had lost his voice and got his feathers scorched, he would not know one bit what you were talking about. In hundreds of thousands of years, a great many things are forgotten, and the birds of paradise of today are quite happy. The earth is quite good enough for them, and if they were not shot and put into hats for women with the frozen hearts to wear, they would have nothing to complain of. They have something to complain of now, but you must remember your promise, and then perhaps they will not be shot any more. Now the birds of paradise that live on the earth today do not live all over it as they used to do in those old days when they could hear the lark and the nightingale. It is only a very small part of the world that they live in now. Small, I mean compared to the rest of it. And there are no larks nor nightingales there. I will tell you where it is. Far away over the deep sea, 
farther than africa farther than india farther even than burma or siam there are a number of great islands and small islands and middling-sized islands which lie between asia and australia and all of these together are called the malay archipelago the largest of all these islands and the one that is the farthest away too is called new guinea and it is a very large island indeed the largest in fact in the world after australia which you know is so large that we call it a continent round about this great island of new guinea and not very far from its shores there are some other islands which are quite tiny in comparison and it is here just in this one great island and in these few small islands near it that the birds of paradise live they do not live in any of the other islands of the malay archipelago but only just here in the ones that are the farthest away of all it would take you weeks to go in a steamer to where the birds of paradise live and if you were to go not in a steamer but in a ship with sails it would take you longer still but when you got there you would not see the birds of paradise flying all about as soon as you went ashore out of the ship or the steamer as you would see sparrows here oh no birds of paradise are not so common as that even in their own country they do not come into the towns like sparrows either but live in the great forests where people do not often go and even when one does go into them it is difficult to see them amongst the great tall trees and the broad fronded ferns and the long hanging creepers that make a tangle from one tree to another ah those are wonderful forests those forests far away over the seas some of the trees have trunks so thick that a dozen men or perhaps twenty would not be able to circle them round by joining their hands together and so tall that when you looked up you would not be able to see their tops they would go shooting up and up like the spires of great cathedrals till at last they would be lost in a green sky not the real sky the blue one that would be still higher up but a green sky of leaves made by all the trees themselves and in this sky of leaves there would be flower stars almost as bright and as beautiful as the real stars of the real sky then there are other trees that have their roots growing right out of the ground and going up more than a hundred feet high into the air at the top of them is the tree itself going up another hundred feet or perhaps more so that the real tree the trunk at any rate begins in the air and before you could climb it you would have to climb its roots which does seem funny and there are palm trees with long tall slender trunks smooth and shining crowned with leaves that are like large green fans and rattan palms which are quite different for instead of being straight their trunks twist round and round the trunks of other trees going right up to their very tops and raising their own most beautiful feathery ones above theirs sometimes they will climb first up one tree and then down it again and up another and then down that till they have climbed up and down several trees all of them very very tall 
how tall, or rather how long, they must be, you may think. We say that a snake is so many feet long, not tall, and these rattan palms are palm creepers, great vegetable serpents that twist and coil as they grow and hug the forest in their great coils, which are larger and more powerful than those of any python or boa constrictor. A python or a boa constrictor could not kill a very large animal, but the great palm snakes will crawl up the largest tree and crush it and squeeze it till at last it dies and comes thundering down in the forest. And then they will crawl along the ground to another and hug that to death too. Then there are tree ferns, which are ferns that have trunks like trees, which are sometimes 30 feet high, with fronds growing from their tops so broad and tall that a number of people could sit underneath them in their cool deep shade as if they were a tent. And there are wonderful flowers in these forests, such as you only see here in botanical gardens or in the conservatories of rich people, orchids and pitcher plants and other with Latin names that one forgets. Some of them are flower trees or tree flowers, as high as the trees are, and with hundreds of large crimson blossoms glowing out like stars from their trunks. When you come upon them all at once in the gloom of the forest, it almost looks as if some of the trees were on fire. Other flowers are golden like the sun and grow all together in clusters, whilst others, again, grow on the branches of trees and hang down from them by long stalks which are like threads. Each thread stalk strung with flowers as a thread is strung with beads. Only these flower beads are as large as sunflowers, with colors of varying from orange to red, and with beautiful deep purple-red spots upon them. But if you had wings like the birds of paradise, and could fly over the tops of the trees that make the forest and look down into a leafy meadow instead of up into a leafy sky, then you would see the most gloriously beautiful flowers growing in that meadow, just as the daisies and buttercups grow in the meadows that you run over here. For flowers love the light of the sun, and they struggle up into it through the leaves that keep it out. To them the leaves are not as the sky, but as the clouds, that shut the sky out, and as they are clouds that will never roll away, even though they may fall sometimes in a rain of leaves, the only thing for them to do is to climb up to them and pierce them, and see the sky, with the sun shining in it, on the other side. So whilst a few flowers stay in the shade below, most of them grow and struggle up into the light and air above, and they are all in such a hurry to get there that everyone tries to grow faster than all the others. <laughs> what a race it is! A race to reach the sun! You have heard of all sorts of races, and some perhaps you have seen. Running races, races in socks, boat races, horse races, though those I hope you never have and never will see. But you never either saw or heard of a fairer, lovelier, more delicate race than a race of flowers to reach the sun. Think of it, all over those great, wide, far-stretching forests, forests stretching away like the sea and only bounded by the sea. 
Think of all the millions of flowers there must be in them, with all their delicate shapes and rich, fragrant scents and glorious colors, and then think of them all growing up together, each trying to be the first to see the sun. So eager they all are, but so gentle. There is no pushing, nothing rude or rough. But as the leaves grow thinner and the light shines more and more through them, they tremble and sigh with a joy, and one says to another, We are getting nearer, nearer, I can see him almost, we shall soon be bathed in his light. And so they all grow and grow, till at last they gleam softly through the soft leaves, and see the beautiful deep blue sky and the glorious golden sun. Yes, that is a lovely race indeed. As anything to do with flowers is lovely, and it is a race upwards to the sky, to the sun. Not all races are of that kind. It is in forests like those that the birds of paradise live. And now that we know something about where they live, we will find out something about them. End of chapter 2 Recording by Natalia Chife.